I was born ready. Ready for this? Ready to throw down? Yeah, I mean, it's the final time to throw down, right? This is... Uh, final technical time, I suppose. Yes, yes. But... Until the new movie comes out. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever that is. Whenever that's gonna be. Yep. Well, ready well, to leave it all on the floor? Leave it all out on the dance floor? I'm ready for okay. everyone to join us on our... Not last, but kind of last episode of Full Impact here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a, this is... Uh, yeah. A Neon Genesis Evangelion Exegesis. If you read the full title. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for pronouncing it for all of us out there. Uh, of course. I am your host, Nick, and with me, as always, my co-host... The Irreplaceable Allison. Aw, thanks. Uh, we are covering the last part of Evangelion 3.33. You cannot redo. This will be part four of four, and it's probably going to be even shorter than the last one because here I thought that we had marked it up so every part would be even 25 minutes-ish, and uh, that's not how it worked out at all. So... <laughs> Yeah, that's life. Sometimes things don't work out the way you think. But it's—I think it worked out the way it was supposed to work out. I think. I keep going back and forth on. I was thinking about our talk the last episode about the events in between the second and third film, and I'm still very fuzzy. I don't. I don't. I don't know what to think about. Because I was listening to them talk about third impact and fourth impact, and I'm still trying to figure out what we're missing here. Yeah, I I agree. And, you know, I, I, I'm i a little confused myself. I'm sure everybody following along uh, is as well. So, you know, let us know what your thoughts are. What could have happened in those interim 14, was it 14 years, right? Yeah, I believe so. Or Yeah, 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 14, I think. Yeah, or, I mean, if you think that it's going to be... Do you think that might be what the fourth movie is? I don't know. I feel like they have a lot to respond to. Also, (laughs) they've they've put... They've, like... They've put up so many questions that they haven't answered. But then they also have so many, like, ongoing plot lines that they haven't concluded either so right if they haven't wrapped up i feel like i'm going into the last season of game of thrones (laughs) just totally blind relying on two dudes to lead the way and i'm very (laughs) concerned (laughs) well i I, i'm slightly concerned too because as we've seen throughout the series i mean these things can take some serious turns on you yeah so i don't really know the exact time that I start watching again for this part. Um, it's roughly where Ava 13 picks up the two spears from the Lilith's body, just for reference there. And after, it should be noted, after many uh, <laughs> discouragements from Nova telling Shinji, you know, this doesn't seem right, this doesn't feel right. I like how you took... Okay, he has a name, and it's Kaura. <laughs> then we gave him a nickname Casanova and you said you know what I'm gonna go a step further and give a nickname to the nickname and just call him Nova 
<laughs> Welcome to the inner workings of my you brain. You said Nova. I'm like, who the hell is a Nova? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you're absolutely right. I, you, you, touche. Um, it's just shorter. Casanova takes way too long to say. Nova's just short and sweet. But he's suspect of this whole situation is what my point was. <laughs> yes, that is true. Um, but despite, you know, Kaura's warning, Shinji picks up the spears, Lilith explodes body and head, um, the dormant Ava that was next to it, um, kind of reanimates, um, that was Mark Six that Kaura was using in the last film, um, and it gets identified as an angel pattern blue, the twelfth angel, and, uh, kind of forms this big old black encasing around her own Shinji. Kind of like Black Hole Sun sort of thing. Yeah, it looks almost like like a bunch of like um, like high optic cable, you know, all intertwined together that like wraps them up in this like, it looked like a yarn ball. Yeah. And I also, I, I just want to point out too that, so through most of the series we see Shinji like wanting to take orders and just you know wanting people to tell him what to do and now everybody's telling him what to do and stop and he's not doing it (laughs) so we've seen a complete kind of change in Shinji's motivations wouldn't you say yeah I mean or maybe he's just I don't know because in the original one he his whole thing was all self-centered mm-hmm. and I mean I guess you could say that him now is being selfish too because he wants things to go back but I, I, I think he truly is trying to kind of atone for what he did and you know this is what he thinks he has to do so it's not I don't know it's a different different kind of Shinji than we're used to right Right. I just wanted to kind of draw that comparison that, you know, he's 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 basically inherently the same, but the way he's behaving is just a little bit different. Like is the choices that he's making, you know, yeah. like like choosing not to go against tracksuit and, you know, initiate them initiating the dummy plug. That was him saying no to orders where, you know, he kind of is doing the same thing here, but a different motivation. So just saying. Yeah, he's he's definitely more confident in his abilities and I guess what he wants to do. Yeah, and desperate in that he feels like this is the only thing he can do to fix it. Yeah. So as Shinji pulls out the spears, that we have two spears of longings here. Um, you know, a, another impact starts to happen as, um, it's he kind of I basically what I took it to happen was, um. Lilith gets absorbed into Ava 13 as well as the last angel kind of thing, mm-hmm. you know, or, or Ava 13 absorbs the angel, whatever. Um, and so I think that's where we get the ingredients for this, this impact because now we have, um, we have Adam DNA and we have Lilith DNA, we have Spears, we have Ava. Those are the ingredients that you need. The perfect storm. Indeed. And I think 
Asuka refers to stopping Shinji, saying that she won't let the third impact start back up. Mm-hmm. So, that's where I was wondering... Okay, here we go, here we go. <laughs> so later on, they call this impact that's going to happen in a couple minutes, or going to happen, the fourth impact, okay? Mm-hmm. But if he didn't complete the third impact in the second film, then wouldn't this be the third one? Since yes. they refer to the other one as the near third. Unless, my theory, of which I have many... <laughs> It's correct that there was a third impact, not due to Shinji, or not, you know, in, you know, intentionally done by Shinji, that we mm-hmm. didn't witness, and therefore this one is the fourth one. But, you know, they don't really give us anything to freaking answer that, but... No, they don't, and they teeter-totter b- between the two, and do, like, two halves of an impact make a whole? Like, <laughs> I don't know. It's, it is, it's unclear, and yeah. You got a lot of good theories there. Thank you. Uh, we get Ray recognizing that the face that is forming around Shinji is her face. Kind of, this is the first kind of semblance of personality we get from the Ray from this film. Is her recognizing yeah, I mean, face? This is the Ray equivalent of like an existential crisis. You know, I mean, seeing a giant version of yourself, you're like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of crazy. Um, I think Kaura has this comment as he, you know, comes to terms with what's about to go down because of him. It's kind of the same sort of situation as the original series where he gets duped into doing something. Mm-hmm. Except he catches himself in the original series. And in this case, even though he kind of was suspicious and tried to catch himself, Shinji was there and uh, did it anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he kind of realized that he's been tricked, um, this time by Gendo. Uh, I think he refers to himself as the first angel in that he's saying that he'd been, he's being defeated by the 13th angel. Does that sound right to you? Yes. And that the end and the beginning are the same. Yeah. What do you, what do you take of that? Make of that? I don't know. I, cause I wrote it down to ask you the same question. Like... (laughs) (laughs) the end and the beginning are the same so is that just a reference to a continuous cycle of things happening or is it about inevitability I don't know because it could be referring to so many different things right we don't know what they deem the beginning to be true so is it the beginning of in terms of life beginning on earth via introduction by a meteor or something big explosion and impact and everyone's gonna die via giant impact now or is it talking about the introduction of the angels back into the world via the second impact is it talking about is it like a almost like a fourth wall break referring to the different series or storylines I don't freaking know. I don't freaking know either. So, listeners, let us know what you freaking think. You know where to find us. Fullimpactpodcast at gmail.com. But thoroughly confused still. Yeah. Yeah, we're all we're all messed up on our impacts here. 
So I take it, so the 13th angel, okay, so the 12th angel is Mark 6. First angel is Kaura. 13th angel. Is he referring to the humans there, Lilin, I think? Well, yeah, he, I think he says, Gendo specifically, he calls him the king of the Lilin. Yeah. And that's, I think that's like one of his last <laughs> phrases. Mm-hmm. Um, then we get scene where Gendo and Futsuki are turning off the light support, life support for the Zila monoliths. Mm-hmm. The um, lights are going out mm-hmm. <laughs> in Zila. And this is definitely different than before because in the original series, as, as far as I'm led to believe, um, especially, you know, considering we had the Rubik's Cube meeting, a.k.a. the Human Inspiritality, uh, you know, council meeting mm-hmm. um they were real people in the original series whereas now they've taken their consciences and placed them into these monoliths or they're you know living artificially through them mm-hmm. um and you know gendo has some words talking about what they were able to accomplish by doing so and giving up their original form and shaping their souls differently um and since they're project is coming to an end here you know it's time to pull the plug (laughs) and i love how there's that image of gloves like as each monolith is going dark you just kind of stand in there with one glove in the pocket just you know returning souls and shit like (laughs) it was just typical gendo like you know and and because he did say that he was returning their souls and like thank you for your service and now the lights out yep Basically, and, and I think the gist of what he was saying, too, is that, like, um, nobody can evade death. Like, nothing, nothing. And so maybe that goes back to the whole end in the beginning thing. Like, you, you have to die to be born again. You have to, you know, live a life and pass it on. I don't know. I don't know either. Your, your theory is as good as mine. <laughs> So Lilith kind of turns into this tiny little core thing upon which Ava-13 bites down on, absorbing her, growing pylons on its shoulders, turning white, and freaking rocketing (laughs) up into the air. Yeah. Um, Breaking everything in its path, including the ceiling of the dome that they were within. Yes, all, all while very calm, instrumental music, which is a very stark contrast to what's actually happening. Yes. And also it has two halos, another another two halo thing here. Mm. Now, later on, and do you recall if the angels had two halos or just the one that we see in the films? Just the one that we see. Because later on, when we're looking at um, Unit 9, or the Vessel of the Atoms, while it's flying, that one has one halo as well. Mm-hmm. But Ava-13 has two halos. And you know what else has two halos? Voonder. Ah! <laughs> hmm. And I imagine one of them, if we're going based off of, like, number of souls or something to that nature, then, you know, one of them would be from Ava-1 being used as an engine. Mm-hmm. 
but I know what I don't know what the second one would be from. I don't know. What would the second one be from? Or if it was just two halos because they thought it looked cool. I don't know. <laughs> Symmetry? Do you think we're putting all this thought into it just because somebody was like, yeah, that doesn't look great with just one. You got to put another halo up there. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> I wouldn't put it past them. Yeah, I agree. Um, so, yeah, it's like going through, what are they, like a DMS phase? Yeah, I think they called it the... The awakening? Pseudo-DNS phase. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure what that is. Yeah, I heard of it. I hadn't heard of it before either, which uh, is why I made note of it. But basically, it just seemed like that this is the awakening point. Like maybe it's overridden all of its drives or whatever. And, you know. Yeah, basically, because at this point, it starts to, you know, initiate the fourth impact here. Um. Or the third. <laughs> or the fourth, yeah, third, fourth, whatever. Whatever. So, as it flies into the sky, it takes out what I assumed used to be Lilith's egg, or Lilith's mm-hmm. moon. Mm-hmm. Except now it's not so egg-like. It's like a distorted, like, corkscrew thing with a rounded top and a rounded bottom Mm. but it's still very large (laughs) and from that point I think that's when Misato attacks with Wunder Yes, Miss M to the rescue. Um, And yeah, like, I think, so uh, Nova, a.k.a. Casanova, um, mentions that, like, that this is the opening rites. Um, And it was pretty scary. In the background, it sounded like a lot of, like, screaming and wailing. It was very eerie. I thought... It, with the it, opening rites, you think like opening ceremonies is going to be all fun and stuff. And the graphics are pretty dope. But if you listen to it, it sounds very sinister in the background. Yeah. But yes, here comes Miss M. Yes. Tacking with Vunda, um, who is then met by the vessel of the atoms carrying Ray featuring Halo. Mm-hmm. And this thing can freaking just fly. And it can apparently can shoot beams. Um, like, like angels can, um, you know, from its eyes or face. Right. And it's like supposedly all core, right? Doesn't she mention something about that? And Misada also mentions that vessel of the atoms, which again, in and of itself, we don't know the origin of the vessel of the atoms or what that really means. But she says that it was the original master of Wunder and... It also turns from being, you know, white and yellow, uh, similar to Unit Zero, into black and red. Mm. I don't know. When I think of Vessel of Atoms, I guess I think of, like, you know, the atoms that create life or whatever, you know, juice that is, um, you know, in a little protected vessel. Yeah. I sp- <laughs> Well, if we go back to that little baby scene, I don't know if it was the first or second one, where we see... That little screenshot of, it's a red background, and we have little white beings in front. They look like little people. Mm-hmm. And I think I said that they might be, like, plural atoms, you know, more than one. Mm-hmm. If they were normal size, then perhaps this was their weapon, their their Ava or something like that. 
Um, Possibility. Uh, you know, it's giving a different meaning for the term, you know, vessel of the atoms. Uh, there you go. Fair enough. But uh, I have no clue, much like everything else this going on. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> now, it, as the vessel of the atom starts to hack into Wunder, um, it is flanked by Asuka in Unit 2. And what do you think about Unit 2's new beast form? I think it's amazeballs. Um, first of all, her eyes glow two different colors, and I don't know if it's because of the patch that distorts it, but she's got a green eye and a blue eye. And, uh, like, the fangs come out and the back arches up. I think it's fantastic. I personally prefer beast mode. I, I like... I like it does, too. <laughs> I like the two different colored eyes. I think it is because of the eye patch. I wouldn't be surprised if she has some mechanical operation going on behind the eye patch. Most likely, yeah. Um, I like the beast form from the second one better. The one that Mari initiates. This one, I thought, was too over the top, and I'm not, I'm not a big fan of it, personally. Really? Uh, with the fangs and the tail and the paws, it just, it seems to animal, like it doesn't belong. Like it's something I would, like obviously the graphics and the design are great, but it seems like something that I would see in like um, fan fiction. Mm. Um, and, and maybe too, a little bit out of context. I mean, yes, beast, but it could have been like more of a, like primordial beast instead of a like a land beast you know i don't know yeah. if that makes any sense because like we saw unit two transform in the second one and like it got you know teeth or longer teeth and like it acted beast-like but it was still ava looking mm-hmm. and i guess this uh, this this doesn't look so evil like we don't even have hands anymore we have full-on like paws right claws and a tail right and it goes down on all fours with the arched back. So, you know, it's, yeah. So, I don't know. I'd be, I'd be very, very curious to see how other people feel about this form. Yeah. Um, Design-wise, I think it's great. I think it looks really cool. But it just felt strange to me. It almost felt like a, like an Evangelion furry's dream. And <laughs> <laughs> it scares me. <laughs> Fair enough. I thought it was kind of cool. Um, but I think Asuka gets Ray to eject out of the vessel of the atoms. Does that sound right to you? Yes, it does. And then, after, as you mentioned, after determining that um, it's all core, Asuka has to self-destruct after ejecting herself. Mm-hmm. She does apologize to Unit 2. Yes. Um... So there goes Unit 2, Kablooey. <laughs> I also think it's kind of funny when, when she's talking to Ray, I, I think, and she's, like, got that beast mode voice in, and, and Ray's, like, questioning what she should do. And Asuka's like, I don't know. I'm not going to tell you what to do. Like, it was just funny how she said it. And, you know, while she's contemplating all this, Asuka's, like, full-on beast mode. So it was just kind of a funny... Yeah, and once again, Mari's not doing anything. Nothing. And by the way, I don't know if you mentioned uh, if we mentioned this before, but they they flashed to a part where she and I can't remember what part. I think it was a little earlier in in this section, but they show the inside of her um, dummy plug, 
or her, you know, plug, whatever. And there's all this garbage in it. Like all the, it looks like the energy drinks that she's drinking. It's like, what the, what is she doing? Like, I don't, uh, yeah, she's a very. I don't dislike her as a character. I just wish they would do something with her. Yeah, I agree. Like, uh, just to know, like something about her backstory, anything like, cause I mean, and she, she's, as we'll see soon, she's not shy with Shinji either. You know, she, she kind of tells it like it is a lot like Asuka, by the way, they have nicknames for each other. Did you catch that? I don't remember what they call each other. So I think, well, she calls Asuka princess, I think. Yes. Princess. And then Asuka calls her the four eyed something. I can't remember. I had it written down somewhere. I'll find it. But yeah, the four-eyed somebody. So I was like, what is she saying? And then I realized they have nicknames for each other. <laughs> like, I think they could have been great. And like, obviously, I know she provides support for Oscar, but like, give her something. Her only only good action we see from her is her firing the pistol at Unit 9 in, earlier in the film. And after that, you know, that's, that's it. She's just backup fire. And I, I would love to see the fireworks between Asuka and Mari even more. Or maybe see them form a nice friendship or learn from each other in some way. But I, I feel like it's just, there's just no real purpose to her being there. There's no backstory history with the the other kids. It's just, uh, yeah, she's random. She's totally random. Yeah, she almost feels like, at this point, like almost a creation completely purposed for fan service. Yeah. Um, And, you know, if you want to do that, fine, but, I mean, can we have, like, a little bit of plot? Yeah. Just throw us us a bone. Something. (laughs) So, I think we go back. Now we're with Asuka, or not Asuka, Shinji and Kaoru again, and... Shinji's unable to control what's happening, basically. Can't stop. Um, the impact from happening. Um, which I don't really understand. I don't really understand why they can't control what's going on anymore. Yeah, at what point do they lose that control? Yeah. When he took, when he took the spears out? I don't know, because in... And here we go, go on. I don't mean to go back to the original series every time as though I'm like a purist or something, but... <laughs> Um, you know when Shinji gets the the spear in the first one and is doing you know the third impact um, everything that's happening or the way that it happens is due to Shinji's intentions his what his his psyche you know Mm -hmm. and and Ray gives him you know kind of free reigns being like you know this is gonna go down I'll let you control how it goes down so I'm wondering at what, why don't Kaoru and Shinji have control at all? Seems like they just press the button and now there's just no going back. But Kaoru made such a strong point by saying, you know, you can reverse things, you can you can change things, you can make things for the better. Right. He was the one that encouraged Shinji to do it in the first place. Right. So why can't they? I mean, if they can't, if they can't control it fine but tell me why <laughs> <laughs> oh nick that would be too easy tell me why you can't control it you tell, tell me, me that Kaoru hasn't thought of that do you think that's what nsync was thinking when they came up with that song <laughs> <laughs> definitely <laughs> 
they were just so confused by their NG storyline that they just had to go and write a song about it. And alternatively, I mean, Shinji can't move the Ava at all, but then Kaora taking... A, maybe the controls... Maybe what happened was Kaora took the controls from Shinji. And so he couldn't do anything while Kaora was thinking, contemplating what to do. And then when he finally came to the conclusion that while they're in there, or while Kaora's in there, the third or fourth impact's going to happen. So he has to eliminate himself so that it can't be completed. And that's where, when he, you know, stabs Ava 13 with both the spears. Right. Um, you know, and Kaora thought that that would be the end of it, and he would close the gates of Guff, um, unbeknowing to him that while Shinji's also there, things would continue. Yeah, because he, he tells Shinji that he wants him to find peace. And I think one of the um, things he says, too, is that we can't rewrite who we are. So he like kind of comes to terms the same way previously, it, it, that it's got to be him. But it can't be him without Shinji, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I wonder... I would assume if Shinji got taken up first that things would still continue. I, I'm thinking that they both have to be removed for things to stop completely. Mm. Um, you know, I, I don't know if... Furthering the notion that Shinji is supposed to stay around. That there's something special about Shinji. Yeah, it's true. And it makes me wonder, you know, if, if Kaoru had just ejected from it, like... Shinji does. Could he have lived? Um, probably, but I don't think he wanted to. I think that it was his intention to kind of do what Shinji did and sacrifice himself for the greater good. Maybe. Yeah, and then plus, you know, then Gendo would just keep devising his plans <laughs> with Kaura at the center of it. Yeah, he does make a very dramatic exit, though. Nova. I mean, he just splats. Yeah. <laughs> it's good to know that that's what their their plan was for Shinji, should he pop back in an Ava. Yeah. And, like, the collar, right before, like, you could see, it was, like, kind of hovering around his neck in pieces. It was yeah. really cool. Like, I, I thought, pieces. Yes, yes. It almost looked like, um, you know, that part in Avengers where, um, what's his name, is holding, uh, Doctor uh, Strange. Yeah, so the little needles, that's what it reminded me of. Oh, yeah. Uh, Ebony Ma. There we go. In Infinity War. Correct. Scene See? three, act four. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you knew you would know exactly what I was talking about. <laughs> but yeah, Cargo's splat. Yep. Um pretty gruesome yeah it is pretty gnarly i'm i'm gonna ask which death you prefer but i'm going to assume that you prefer the original death better yeah i you're right about that the splat was a little too much for me yeah too yeah (laughs) they do like their in your face gallons and gallons of blood yes 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 red is definitely a theme throughout so as Kaura dies, Ava 13 starts to fall, but the gates don't close. Um, 
And so that's when... Is it Mari that gets him to eject? Or is it Asuka? I can't remember. I believe it's Mari that gets him to eject. She's, like, really laying into him. And I think... And I don't know that we... Do we see him do it? Or do we just see him I don't think he does it. Yeah. I think he's forcibly ejected. Got it. And I think it's her. Yeah. Um... And that's when, you know, the gates close. Third slash fourth impact has been avoided. And we think all is well, kind of, despite being in this total shit show of a world. Um, but, you know, apparently these circumstances are still acceptable for Gendo. Yeah, he's, he seems happy with the way things have turned out. I mean, yeah. I think he even Shinji's says that. alive. Ava yep. Lincoln's been awakened. Peachy. Good to go. Yeah, he, yeah, his his plans are all falling into line. I'm like, what more? What more do you want? <laughs> I don't know. What are you going for? What more could you ask for, gloves? Seriously. So Shinji's plug lands in the sand. He's just cradled in there with his cassette player, doing nothing. <laughs> just in a fetal <laughs> position, as you yeah. wish. Asuka springs him from it. Having to pull him up, much like Misato had to in the uh, end of Evangelion, because she's just not even standing up. Yeah, it, it, it was a throwback to that. And he's almost like catatonic. Like, she's like poking at his face and like trying to pull at him, and he's just not moving. And it's just like, snap out of it, kid. Yeah, and when she cops in the plug, she doesn't like pick him up. She like put kicks into the ground. <laughs> yes. Yeah. When she, uh, when she first gets in the plug, she just looks at him and like, kicks him and like a little puss he just falls right over and i know that she's always like you know uh you know you're still whatever a brat still a child or whatever and i'm just i just want to know these past 14 years you know is is shinji still in the mental state of a 14 year old because asuka is 28 right i think i think so because i mean he's had yeah, although, although you know, time does what it does to your body, I feel like he, it mentally he wasn't conscious to be developing anything mentally. So I would say that he's probably still a 14-year-old kid. So I would still cut him a little slack, personally. <laughs> yeah, but we haven't cut him a lot of slack this whole time, so why should that be any different? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> um, but as they hop out of there, you know, this... What... Ray 3, I guess, or what we would assume to be Ray 3. Correct. Black Suit Ray. Um, Black Suit Ray with a dope cross body bag. Like, she's got, like, this wallet bag that she's got on. I noticed it it, right away. And I don't know if it's because of the black background, but I loved it. (laughs) Yeah, and I'm like, I don't... I feel like that's not yours, Ray. (laughs) (laughs) You have, like, two possessions. (laughs) Yeah, well... But Asuka says, because I'm assuming they're, you know, trying to get rescued. And I, I guess by, you know, Vila or Vili or I don't know how to pronounce it. Because when I say it like that, it sounds like Zila. But I feel like it's another German it's word. And I don't Vile. know. Vile. Okay. Vile. Vile. Thank you. Ugh. All German listeners have a sigh of relief. <laughs> now that, now that there's. Moments left of the podcast, I can now pronounce it correctly. 
I just got it myself, so hey. Um, but least... she said that they need to get somewhere where the Lilith can get close to. Asuka says this. Mm-hmm. Implying that they aren't Lilith. Ah, I didn't even catch that, but you're right. Interesting, because she has like a little Geiger counter thing that she's looking at, right? Like they're yeah. reading where they are. Huh. Yeah, you're right. Because why Why make the... Why specify that the Lillian can't get here at all? You know? Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you you know, if you're you're all Lillian here, then just say, you know, we need to get somewhere where they can get us or it's not safe here or why why wouldn't it be safe for them but it you know why are they okay where they are so i wonder if being in the avas has changed them in some significant physiological way i i think that that probably has a lot to do with it especially because we're talking about these three particularly and they their commonality is is they've all been in an ava so you know, logic would tell you that maybe that has something to do with why they're able to survive in a place that no one else can. Yeah, and then, you know, that might... Or implying that they're not Lilin. Yeah. You know, and then it connects back to the, you know, Curse of the Avas that Asuka brought up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then we just end the film with them walking walking up the hill, the red, red sand hill. Yeah, well, I think one other thing that's significant is Shinji drops his tape player. He does drop his tape player. And Ray looks at it, but I don't think she picks right. it up. We don't know if she picks it up. We definitely see her look at it, and we know that Shinji's in his little catatonic state. So I think that's pretty significant because, I mean, that's been one one object that's been seamless throughout this whole series is that stupid tape player (laughs) and what it represents and what it does for Shinji and so now that it's not there and he doesn't have that as like a security blanket anymore or did Ray pick it up knowing that it's important to him not knowing why you know because she clearly doesn't really know the Ray that we all used to know but she's getting there she's having these you know kind of epiphanies that we may not know all of what's going on behind that so does she pick it up for just no other reason than later on we'll give it to him I don't know give me a goddamn movie so I can know the answer I know it's been delayed like four times or something like that. I know, but it is it is a nice visual at the end with the three kids going up kind of a sand dune and you see, you know, Asuka and Shinji first and Ray kind of trailing behind a yeah. little bit. Yeah, so. we got our trio back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, spoiler alert, Shinji gets a CD player next next. Time. <laughs> you don't think it'll be an, an iPod? <laughs> Are we no. gonna go? Okay. No I mean, CD. if we're we're going in actual technological progression, it would be a, a portable CD player, and and then the MP3 player, and then the iPod. <laughs> but that's it. I mean, we get a little baby glimpse at the end of the credits. Um, you know, we is get... that is that Mari's voice? I believe so. Yeah. At the end, yeah, because she does make mention to um, the, the very last line. I feel like she does mention something about fan fiction. Further, you know, uh, fan further, service. Fan service. Sorry. Um, further proving our point that she might be there for that sole reason. Well, and, then, and then, like there's this one shot in the film where she's running and it's like looking at from her from underneath, and you can just like see the shadows moving under her breasts. 
Yes. And I'm like... This is really necessary. <laughs> yeah, well, to some it is. Um, but yeah, if you all want to watch that little end scene, it's not as plot-driven as the end credit scene in the second film, but it has a little little something-something there. Um, they also have... the They've released the first ten minutes of the fourth film. Uh, you can find that on YouTube. I don't think they have it dubbed, but it's, it's at least subbed, I believe. Um... So if you want to take a look at that. Or maybe it's not even sub. But anyways, even if it's not, it's worth taking a look at if you're, you know, dying for some more content. Um, and then they have some trailers out. Otherwise, uh, I guess as of this moment, you're all caught up. Yeah, we certainly are. That uh, kind of officially concludes our coverage of Neon Genesis Evangelion, the series and the Rebuild movies. Yeah, now our podcast show description won't be inaccurate. That's right. Um, I personally want to thank my co-host, Nick, without whom this project would not be. Uh, you are a gentleman and a scholar, and thanks for including this old broad in your new adventure. Well, thank you for making time amidst your book clubs and your AARP <laughs> signups. <laughs> not yet, you little punk. Not yet. <laughs> Hey, Dave Matthews is an uh, AARP member, so I would be happy to join that club. (laughs) Um, Also, a huge thanks to all of our listeners. Uh, We've been legitimately humbled by all of you out there who have listened to us from the beginning all the way to the end. So uh, I think I speak on behalf of both of us when we say we are eternally grateful. Um, And although we have come to the end, uh, we will be coming out with some bonus content. Um, You know, we'll uh, surprise you with a few episodes here and there just so that you can get a little, and maybe we can drum up some support so that we can get a movement so that we can get this movie out so we can have something new to talk about. That's my hope. Yeah, I mean, I I think we'll do. I think you'll definitely do Shin Godzilla, um, but also I think we will continue um, with the character analysis because those are short and they're fun. Um, if and you know, since we're not doing these on a regular schedule like we have been doing them in the past, um, you know, if anyone's interested in in you know you want to join us or something, maybe email us. If you are particularly fond of a character that you haven't covered, maybe you could join us for a guest spot on an episode for one of the characters we have coming up. Yeah, absolutely. We love, love, love our guests. Um, uh, And we also want to say thank you to everybody who contributed to our podcast um, over these last however many episodes um, for taking the time and and giving us their insight. We we really do appreciate all of that. And going forward, we would totally appreciate anybody who wants to be a part of this going forward. We always look forward to anybody that's into it as much as we are. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, we'll keep this keep this going so it'll stay available to everyone um you know as long as we can and if you have any questions i you know we check our the email pretty frequently so we're here for (laughs) you yes i sincerely hope that you all have enjoyed our podcast as much as we've enjoyed making it i am one of your hosts allison and with me as always is the salty nick yeah See, that one's the most accurate thus far. Correct. Correct. (laughs) 
All right, folks. Until next time. Until next time.